Okay. Okay, bud. Pray for us as we get started, please. Okay, Galatians. We started off in uh, chapter 1, and Paul didn't, he got to the point really, really, really quick. In verse 6, he says, I'm amazed that you so quickly deserted him who call you by his grace of Christ for a, dis- a different gospel. Really? It's not another but only there are some who are disturbing you when they want to distort the gospel of Christ. So he really quits, really quickly says, uh, uh, I've heard reports from you that you're leaving the faith, so to speak. That you're adding to, as Art said, the gospel. And then in chapter 2, uh, uh, verses uh, 4, 3, he told us what the, what the hint of the problem was. He says, But not even Titus, who was with me, though he was Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And the problem was that the Judaizers were coming and says, Believing in Jesus is not enough. You need to be circumcised too. And Paul says, No, 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 no. He said, where did you get this foolishness? He said, I'm ashamed. And he'll go on and say this as we look in the scripture today. He said, why are you doing this? <clears throat> then in verse 20 of chapter 2, which is a lot of meat, which you really need to have marked in your, in your text or, or know it. I have been crucified with Christ and that I no longer, excuse me, that it is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said in one verse what happens at salvation. At salvation, the Lord comes to abode in our physical bodies. And as much as we yield ourselves to Him. As much as we yield ourselves to Him, we are living like Christ. He says, it's not I that that does it, but Christ. But we have a will. And we can resist Him. We can say, no. And I've drawn those three circles on the board so many times that you remember that sometimes we keep a corner of our life and says, Lord, you can have it all, but you can't have this. Uh, I'm going to keep this. And, and that, therein lies a problem with the old nature and, and the new nature. So he says, <clears throat> he says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And then in chapter 3, he starts doing the Paul thing. And as Art says, the attorney comes out in Paul. 
And he says, let me lay out the, the facts. And he says, 430 years before the law, <clears throat> that, uh, that uh, Abram, uh, he believed God that he would be an heir to a nation. And the accounting term is, he credited to his account. He credited that faithfulness to his account. And so, 430 years after the law was given, <clears throat> that's, that's good. And he's, he's telling how this went. And in verses 26 of chapter 3, he says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all you who have been baptized into, into Christ have clothed yourself in Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free man. There's neither male nor female, for you're one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's descendants, heir according to the promise. And uh, we'll say a little bit more about that. Now, the lesson today, chapter 4. Now I say to you, as long as an heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, although he is owner of everything. But, now there's, there's about seven buts in here, and we've talked about that before. We're going long, and we're talking, Paul's preaching, and he says, but, and we turn, turn the corner. We turn the corner. So he says, an heir is, is uh, he owns everything, but he can't get it as long as he's a child. Verse 2, but he is under the guardians and the managers until the date set by the father. So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elementary things of the world. But. When the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. Now, let's talk some deep theology. I gave you a piece of paper, and in the, in the conservation of time, it's just Scripture. But rather than us look around, there are things theologically that we hold, hold tight. We're dogmatic. We don't compromise on those particular points. There are things that we hold loose. You know, things, well, shade of gray, you know, that we, we might see. Born of a woman, the virgin birth. The virgin birth is fundamental to the Christian life. It's something we hold really, really tight. And I hope when you leave here today, nobody ever confuses you about the virgin birth. Because it's of necessity. It's of necessity. Alright, let's just run this, 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 this scripture here we have. Isaiah 14, uh, 7, 14. Isaiah. This is about 500 years before Christ came. Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son 
and she shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. There have been some problems in translations through the years. Some people want to just say virgin's a young child. There's two totally different meanings, or a young lady. There's two totally different meanings between a virgin and a young woman. If your scripture doesn't say virgin, put that on the shelf and pick up another version. Because he says, uh, a virgin shall conceive. Okay, Luke, the next one, Luke 1. To a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at his statement and kept pondering what kind of uh, salutation this was. The angel said unto her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called a son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom will be no end. This is classic to me. Verse 34. How can I be since I am a virgin? She should know. <laughs> right? She says, I'm a virgin. I'm a virgin. There are two records of the genealogy of Jesus, one in Matthew and one in Luke, and I've, I've got them right there. And we won't read all of this, but <clears throat> I can't pronounce the names. But <clears throat> the first one is in, in Matthew. <clears throat> it says, Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. And you go all the way down there, and it's the father of. The father of, the father of, down until you get to verse 16. And Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. Scripture, scriptures doesn't tell a story, and we've told you before that everything I teach, everything in this book is true. Every word is true. I don't understand it all, but I believe it all. And so if, if the writer of the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew said all these people were fathers, except when it got to, to, to Joseph, he said he was the husband of Mary. He was the husband of Mary. Now look at Luke, verse 23. He began his ministry. Jesus himself was about 30 years of age, being... As was supposed, the son of Joseph, the son of Eli. As was supposed. <clears throat> Your scripture may say a, a little bit different, but that it all has basically the same thing. What does yours say, Jane? Okay. <clears throat> anyway, the virgin birth is, is one of those things we really need to hold tight. Because if... If that's wrong, the rest of the premise of God being sinless, Jesus being sinless, being His only begotten Son, all of it crumbles if that's not correct. We believe Scripture. We believe it to be true. <clears throat> Jesus was virgin born. Any problem with that? 
Any problem with that? Okay. All right. Now let's continue on with verse 5 of chapter 4. Well, let me go back. But through the fullness of time came God, sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, that He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. In our church, there are two beautiful examples of adoption in the form of two little girls. You may remember when we were over there, we weren't in the fellowship hall. It's been five or six years ago now. Steve and Andrea Kim brought Carson to us in Sunday school. We were talking about abortion. And I said, there's another side to abortion. And Carson was, was there. And they told us the story of how Carson came to be. She's a biracial child, but Steve and Andrea love her. And she's sweet. And she's grown up in our church. And I hope one day she realizes how fortunate she is. But she calls Steve what? She calls Steve. She calls Andrea mom. Several years ago, uh, Walt and Ashley Collins had Jack. They went to a mission trip to China. And in that mission trip to China, they were made aware, fresh and anew, about the throwaway babies. Because in China, you could just have one child. One child. They wanted a male. And if they had a girl, if she had any blemish or spot, they just abandoned her. Leave her on the streets. And the orphanages in China are full of young little girls. They came home. The Lord tugged at their hearts and they said, let's go get one of those throwaway babies. And they brought Abby home. You see her around here all the time. She's had several operations on her lip and she will continue to have these as she gets older. But you know what she calls Walt? Daddy. She calls Walt's daddy. You know what else? She has all the airship that Jack had. Now, after Abby came, things picked up. <laughs> and we have, we have Allie, and what's the other baby? Caroline. Two beautiful little girls. You have three blonde-headed children, and this black black head and a little girl. Adoption. We have been adopted in the family of God. And you know what he did? He took us warts and all. He took us just like we are. He says, I don't want you perfect. I just want you just like you are. Billy Graham for years has sent has sung the invitation hymn. What is the invitation hymn? Just as I am. I come just like I am. 
And, and he said, come. Okay. So he says, go ahead. Yes, I forgot about Julian. Jan could not have children. She and Phil adopted Julian and brought her home from the hospital when she was about a week old. Yeah. You did? Yes. Um, we adopted Paul in Iowa because it was convenient to do it that way. And I had expressed to the judge uh, a concern as I remember as a child, friends and neighbors that were adopted parents were always over their shoulder for a social worker who might frown on how they're rearing their child. And the judge told us, he said, in the state of Iowa, the legal bonds of adoption are stronger than for biological children. He said, when the papers are signed, all is yours and nobody else's ever. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that was a profound revelation And to us. you probably told him along the line, yeah. we chose you. We chose you. Yeah. That's tremendous. Thank you, Keith. Thank you, Jack, for those very personal uh, examples of adoption. <clears throat> okay. Verse 6. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his sons into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You've heard enough sermons to know how that's translated. How's it translated, John? Daddy. 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 It's translated daddy. First time I heard this expression, I was in college. And a young man that I got a friendship with, and we were praying one night, and he says, uh, he says, I'm thank you, Jesus, that you're my big brother. And for a minute, that threw me for a loop. Have you ever thought about Jesus being your big brother? How many of you have older brothers? Older brothers. I hope it's all been good. <laughs> I hope it's all been good. But <clears throat> you think about it. God is our father. We've been adopted into his family. We, he had an only begotten son. If we've been adopted into the family of God, who's our brother? Jesus. Jesus, our big brother. And that ought to put a new kick in your step. You know, a new, a new understanding that, that, hey, I'm an heir. I've got all the rights that Jesus did. Everything. Ted went on to pray. He said, as Jesus is God's big brother, we have power that he had when he was raised from the dead. Think about that. What did we see? Absent from the Bible, present with the Lord. We're going. What happened to Jesus? Absent from the body. Present to the Lord. We're going to heaven. So, adoption as sons into the family of God is a great thing. Verse 7, he says, Therefore you're not no longer slaves, but a son. And if a son, then heir through God. 
You are heir through God. Verse 8. However, at that time, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those by, by nature are no gods. But now you have come to know God. And then he kind of puts a caveat there. Rather to be known by God. How is it that you have turned your back again to the weak and worthless elemental things which you desire to be enslaved over again? You observe days and months and seasons and years. He says, I fear for you and perhaps I have labored over you in vain. Art talked last week about, about these things. <laughs> we call it legalism. And there's, there's still, I don't believe there's as much today, we're kind of tearing down some of those walls. But some of us in our generation had a lot of legalistic things. Back during the late 50s and early 60s and after Woodstock and all these things happened, the boy's hair started growing a little longer. You remember that? They didn't. They didn't want to. They didn't want to cut their hair. And some of us look down at our self-righteous noses sometimes and says, "Boy, you need to cut your hair. You need to cut your hair. That's not right." Art brought up the ladies' pants last week. <clears throat> Belcher said, I very well remember <laughs> when, you, when you didn't wear pants in church. You know? And there are other things. The kids during Bible school this past summer uh, centered on a verse in Micah. Uh, do you remember what it was? He has told you, old man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God these things it's not it's not things we do it's not our preconceived idea it's Jesus our faith in Him and His finished work on Calvary, plus nothing, minus nothing. When you've got a knock on the door from our Mormon friends, he says, yeah, I believe that Bible, but let me show you something else. <laughs> Joseph Smith said so and so. Say thank you, I'm okay. Or whatever you want to say. <laughs> but it's Jesus and Jesus alone, once you said yes to Him. How do we get saved? We believe in His righteousness and His finished work. It's nothing we have, nothing we are, nothing we could do. It's nothing of us, nothing of us, but by His grace that He saved us. He says, don't get hung up on these legalistic things. And He says, did I labor in vain? In verse 11, maybe I have, he said. Then from 
verse 12 to the end of verse 20, he talks about a situation that he had. He said, I went to you, uh, he starts off and he says, I beg you to become as I am, for I have become as you are. Uh, You have done me no wrong. We run from this thing of uh, do like me. You know, so many times we say uh, do as I say, not as I do. That's a dangerous place to be in and we need to check up, you know, sometimes. It's okay. Paul says do, do like me. He wasn't bragging about himself. He was bragging on the Lord, on what the Lord allowed him to be and do. And so he says, he says, be like me. Verse 14, and which the trial uh, in you in my bodily condition, excuse me, verse 13, but you know that it was because of your bodily illness that I preached the gospel to you the first time. And that which was a trial to you in my bodily condition, you did not despise or loathe. But you receive me as an angel of God, as Christ himself. He said, I came to you the first time because of my health. And you, didn't, you did not receive me, but you received me just like it was Jesus himself. You received me. And I preached. <clears throat> preached the gospel. Verse 15. <clears throat> Where then is this sense of blessing that you had? For I bear you witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your eyes and given them to me. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul is talking about being being translated into the third heaven. And he says, the Lord gave me a what? A thorn in the flesh. We don't know what that thorn in the flesh was, but some people say that it comes back to some of these, these things, that it was his eyesight. And in the sixth chapter of Galatians, he says, I write this with big hand. You know, I write this with a big hand. Some people says it was epilepsy. Some people said it was malaria. We, we, we don't really know. But whatever it was, when Paul went to them, he preached to them, and they received him, although he was a sick man, or he had some problems. And he says, you receive me just like Christ. But he said, but what happened? What happened along the way? What happened along the way? Verse 16, so have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? They eagerly seek you, not commendably, but they wish to shut you out, and you will seek them. This is a, he's talking about the Judaizers here, but it's true with every cult. Every cult around. They, they bring you in and then they won't, don't want you to have anything to do with anybody else. They just want you to stay with their little clique, do their little thing. Scientology. This big thing that all the Hollywood people are involved in. You've got to have big money to be a Scientologist, they tell me. But also, they want to keep you exclusive. They don't want you to go anywhere except with them. And, and these few people who have broken ranks, you know, they're getting all kind of static about it. It hadn't, human nature hadn't changed. And these, 
These tactics hadn't changed. Verse 17, they wish to shut you out so that you will seek them. Verse 18, but it is good always to be eagerly sought in a commendable manner. And not only when I'm present with you. Verse 19, my little children with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. Just like a mother. What's the expression? Only a mother could love that face. Doesn't matter where we go or who we do or what we do, we can depend on one person to love us, and that's mama. And he said, he says, just like I'm your mama, he says, I'm with you again until Christ is formed in you. Verse 20, but I wish to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I'm perplexed about you. So he goes back to where he was in the beginning. He says, I don't understand where, why you've left. But he says, I wish you'd come back to just Jesus. Just Jesus. Well, Barbara, we're going to stop there. Is that okay? And I've got five more minutes, right, Ben? Okay. So I'm on time. Okay. I love you, and I'm thankful for you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Thirty-seven. Is that what you get? What you got? Okay. We have several in the kitchen too. I can't remember. Who? Yeah, Okay. Yeah, that's great. Well, last week we put, we we get, gave out some little our little mission who who we are, and I told you that in the record that's going out to the soul to the association, there's about a hundred different people who come to Sunday uh, Sunday school and those who go to worship. So if you see anybody that's not attached. Don't proselyte them from another class, but if you see any, any, anybody that's not attached, encourage them. Says we have a good time and we come in here. Thank you for being in the choir room. Thank you for being flexible. And so we'll pray and we'll, 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 we'll go from this place. Cliff, I didn't mention you, but you're a charter member. And so get ready to stand up. Okay. Thank you all. Ken dismisses. Thank you for another time to learn your word. And to appreciate again how precious you are to us. Lord, we do not understand why you would even have anything to do with us, but thank you so much. Thank you for forgiving us of our sins and concerns Jesus' name. Amen. I meant to say one other thing. The, the fellowship hall where we are, there's three tables set up for serving. There's six serving lines go down either side of those three tables. Supposedly, when they have the prayer and they dismiss us in there, they're going to say, 4G Sunday school class, 
you can go first. Now, they probably won't say that, but, but if, you, if you need some extra help, they should say that, you go. And then you go through the, uh, the fellowship hall. You can go down those three little steps, or you can go down the ramp and go in that way, and then we're going to go to the gym. Now, what they've asked us to do is go all the way to the other side and fill that up first and come this way so we won't be falling over people as we go. And I don't know what the menu is except apple pie. Turkey, Turkey and dressing. Okay, so we'll, we'll go from there. Thank you. Y'all have a great day. Thank you.